You know, I, I think mentally today was probably one of the toughest rounds I've ever had to play because it would be really easy to let your emotions get in the way. And I, I just had to really concentrate on focusing on myself. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Bunkered Golf Podcast in association with Callaway, Michael and Bryce here. We are recording this 22 minutes past 11, Monday, the 30th of January. Only, what, 10 minutes ago? Rory McIlroy, great start, Bryce, dropping your phone. Well done. Well done. Things were going seamlessly. And then you just go and tumble your phone sorry, to the ground. I'm sorry I hope it's about broken. that. Sorry. Yes, 15 minutes ago, maybe 20, Rory McIlroy won the Dubai Desert Classic in quite thrilling fashion. A Monday finish. We love a Monday finish. Rory holding off a rampaging Patrick Reed to win by one a birdie at the last and some birdie it was too we'll get to all that in a second but we are jacked as the Americans would say <laughs> and we're ready to go energised exhilarated by a great morning of golf Bryce apart from trying to break your phone all good? Excellent yep. enjoy it that's one of the best Monday starts I think we've had hasn't it? that was brilliant probably yeah yeah enjoyed that most Mondays are a bit mm, how was your weekend? Uh, uh, no, did another full week of this nonsense. Ah. <laughs> Not this morning. That yeah, was great. That was really and well great. done to you for pulling out the Sky Goal so we could watch it in the office. Yeah, absolutely. Don't say that. Oh. Uh, yeah, no, brilliant. I was kind of hoping for a playoff, let's be honest. I know Where I like, are you? I, yeah, I, Where I, I, you I, like, I like to see Rory do the business. He's he's one of us. He's, he's the man. We know that. But I playoff would have been a bit of extra drama although however he's not he's not exactly loving that 18th hole is he no. he's not really got the world's greatest uh, form on it so are we sure that that would have been the hole they'd have played in I the think, playoff yeah. i think that is the hole they play for the best they didn't then eh yeah that said he did birdie it when it mattered yeah so. true true um but yeah no fantastic finish and a fair play to him patrick reed uh, i thought he was absolutely phenomenal if you watch 65 the final round I mean that's impressive the guy had to play an extra 18 holes he's not used to that so he must have been knackered but he did really really well considering <laughs> oh it's like that is it it's like that so lots to discuss we're going to get to Patrick Reed and his latest rules snafu incident I have to watch how I describe it because well I okay, presume Larry yeah. Clayman listens to podcasts yeah. we'll get to that in a little while We've also got to discuss Phil Mickelson's return to Twitter. Oh, God. And the BBC, it's deal with the Masters, another oh, God. Lots that we have to get through. But let's start with the golf, if you like. That's, that's a nice place to start yeah. for a change. Why not? Because that was, as we said, uh, a quite a thrilling end to what was, quite honestly, a pretty thrilling week. It was a week that had everything controversy, weather delays, it was the busy. world number one at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, it was busy. I haven't, look, I haven't looked at any stats. I have no idea about stats here because it's just finished. But from what I watched over the weekend, I thought Rory was in really good form. I thought his driving was superb. Uh, middle of the fairway, he was excellent. I think he maybe missed a couple of putts this morning. Makeable ones, but maybe just didn't have the right weight. But he's, his game is in a really good place. And then he wins and says he wasn't really <laughs> firing in all cylinders. So it just goes to show, you know, I suspect he's maybe there's a, a few half-truths in that. I thought Rory was pretty good this week. He looked very, very comfortable. He's driving. When he's on form with his driving, he's, he's very hard to hard to beat. But 
you know how many times have we said that whole thing? If someone plays their best, they're, they're just the best in the world. It's not. You know, he was he was nearly caught today, Rory. Now he didn't play exceptionally well as he did the first three days. He didn't score as well as he did, but. I don't think he scored particularly well all three. I know that's a crazy thing to say about a guy that finished 18 under, yeah. but, but I, I probably th- a B plus, I would yeah, give him for the week I, 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 in terms I, of performance. I thought he looked pretty good. He looked very comfortable. He looked relaxed. His swing looked good. He seemed pretty relaxed. But in terms of a start, I mean, I was amazing. I didn't realise he'd never won a Rolex event. Yeah, Harry Diamond's apparently quite excited about getting a, a gold, gold bib. <laughs> I did not know that. I, I mean, how has he not won one of those? That's unreal. But... What a start. I mean, if you... Well, that's just what we wanted, a couple of weeks, Yeah, a couple of weeks ago I said, I, I, I think he can win. If he carries on his form, he's he is one of the form players in golf. John Ram's probably the other one right now. He's playing some great stuff. He, he If he carries that into the Masters, there's no doubt he's the favourite. Absolutely no doubt about it. A week and a half later, he's walking off the Dubai, Dubai Desert Classic. What a start. Brilliant. We said this in the episode directly before Christmas. We're talking, trying to look ahead into what might happen and what we want. And I think we both said that, you know, we, we wanted Rory to carry the form that he'd shown for the six, seven, eight months of the last six, seven, eight months of 2022. We wanted him to carry that into 23, but we acknowledged that's a bloody tough thing to do because, you know, put the clubs away over Christmas. You've got to come back out and just find that momentum again like Paul McGinley would say. Really, really easy to say, hard to do, but he's made it look kind of easy this week. One start for 23 and one win. Said that last year, he's in a, he is in a really good place. And he's he's probably, I can't work out whether he's trying to stem expectations, whatever, but to say, you know, he maybe didn't quite have it all, he's got to be jumping up and down inside that he's stuck. Because mentally, that's a good start. He, he, I mean, even if he plays, gets a top five, it's a, it's still a decent start to win, to win with the pressure on eighteen. The way he finished, I mean, that putt's a downhill left to right. Any right-handed golfer knows that's a horrible putt. Everyone hates that putt. You know, he, he's stepped up. What a start to the year, and 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 what that does for his confidence, where he goes now, amazing. Let's talk about the final couple of holes. Birdie on seventeen, a phenomenal tee shot. They are just front edge of the green big difference in Rory we've mentioned this before it's been his putting his lag putting in particular rolled that one up to about 3-4 feet converts the birdie opportunity gets him ahead briefly then Reed up in front of him makes birdie at the last by the way we'll come to Reed in a sec what a second shot right over the flag into the, the back of the green on, on 18 Rory then is standing on 18 with all of the scar tissue that he's got and that's one thing we've said probably more about Rory than any other golfer. We've used that expression, scar tissue, whether it's Augusta or whatever it might be. We all know what he did on that hole a year ago from the middle of the fairway, flailing it into the water. Chance goes. He did the same on Sunday, yesterday, in the third round. Caught it a bit heavy in the water. Bad way to finish your round. Could have been four shots ahead. And then his tee shot... The, the strength of his game all week, as you rightly say, off the tee, suddenly it looks like he's about to find water, comes up short in that thick stuff right on the hazard line. In actual fact, whilst we hold our hearts in our mouths, as unapologetic Rory fans, that was 
kind of a good thing because it, I know he wanted Forced to go for it, late, but yeah. it kind of made a decision for him, didn't it's it? It's the first thing he said that that takes the <laughs> that takes the decision out of his hands. I do forgive him for what happened on I was going to say Saturday on Sunday because it doesn't mean anything. He's just trying to make his lead even bigger. The, the consequences of failure there are not that big. And he'll know that. And he'd been playing aggressive, so yeah. carry on. Just carry on. Don't play with no fear. The right, what, de- right decision. Yeah. Just badly executed. Yeah. It happens. I, I, absolutely. I think Rory has to be as natural as he can be. And that he is that kind of no fear player. Go for it. That's what he does. Uh, I don't I don't blame him for the consequences of what happened on Sunday. But this morning there was a, just a little bit of a maybe a tweak in the backswing there in 18 and it's maybe just oh. <laughs> but you know what it didn't go in the water and uh, he won Patrick Reed second as you said earlier what an incredible final round from Reed. say what you like about him and the controversy and the noise and the burner accounts that follow him everywhere what a golfer well actually no I'm going to change that because golfer's maybe not the right one depending on your Maybe not the right choice of word, depending on how you feel about the, the stuff that he gets up to. What a player. Oh, listen. Is he a top 10 player in the world? 100%. Absolutely. Phenomenal. I mean, some of the stuff he played on Saturday was brilliant. Saw him in the bunker in one of the holes and he, he did, kind of short-sided himself a little bit. Didn't have much to play with. Sneaky good short game. Oh, it's just fantastic out of the bunker. Phenomenal. Said this before about Patrick Reedy. He's got phenomenal self-confidence. He, he really has no interest in what anyone else says. He's not that bothered. It doesn't seem to grate on him. You know, if you get, well, apart from the, the, law, <laughs> the lawsuits suggest otherwise, yeah. I would just hold that right there. <laughs> but it doesn't seem to annoy him. It genuinely doesn't. It fuels him, I think. It fuels because he performs. I mean, it, that that's why I think that him going to live is such a such a strange move. That guy's in the prime of his career. And, he, and he's clearly one of the best players in the world, but he's not really going to get to show it to anyone. And he's going to, unless things changed in in in, in Europe, we might not see him. But yeah, he's. You have to have, he, talk about his personality, the incidents, whatever. That guy's a player. He, he's he's a top top player. I thought he was magnificent today. Magnificent. I, I got a bit of heat yesterday for saying that on Twitter that I enjoy watching him play. People say, oh, what about the cheating? I was like, oh, alleged cheating, unless you want a letter. What about this? What about that? Yeah, yeah, I, I get all that. And I did make that qualification right at the start of the tweet. Of course there's baggage. But if you just set it to the side, just concentrate on the player, he's so much fun to watch. Shapes the ball both ways. He's got a, a few idiosyncrasies in his swing. Things just happen around Patrick Reed that makes him a compelling watch as a player before you take the other stuff into it. Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head. The other noise, he's definitely not insecure. No. Definitely not insecure. <laughs> he well, loves the drama. Well, I mean, he created that drama. The whole thing about the T-gate stuff at the beginning of the week was bizarre. For the... F- <laughs> Even, I don't understand. <laughs> this is what I don't understand. Why is he even walking up to Rory McIlroy to say hello? That That's what I don't get. It's like this pretense that it's a wee bit of a laugh. I don't think Rory sees it as a bit of a laugh, but I think the live guys enjoy the whole fake banter, but 
So do you, think, do you think he was shit stirring? Because he yeah. must have known that I don't know, cameras I think, were going to take his picture or that somebody was going to I, film it's it. It's a very strange move. But what I did like about it is that you can watch Harry. Harry really doesn't move. Harry does the right thing. But Harry's almost like, it wouldn't have surprised me if Harry said, as Rory's down there, uh, Patrick's coming up just silently. Mm. And Rory's just going, thank you. And that's yep. it. And ignored him. Because Michael Bannon doesn't do much. He, yeah, he, he doesn't react. Doesn't react. He glances round, looks left, and doesn't offer a hand. Nothing. There's no. There is no mutual respect there. So I, I am confused why Patrick Reed is walking up and trying to spark conversation. I find that quite strange. But what, totally unnecessary. Yeah. What What I find even worse is that he then he then ridicules Rory in some of the interviews afterwards, and I think. That's just strange behaviour. Yeah. Why would, why would, he's the world number one, you're calling him a child. Yeah. Why, why would you do that? <sighs> Bizarre. Let's come to that in just a second. I mean, let's focus on the tea throw. I can't believe we're saying this. Let's focus on the so-called tea throw. The way it was reported initially, it made it sound like Reed had picked up this tea and had thrown it at Rory. In actual fact, he's gone into his pocket and he's just tossed it down at his feet. It's a lob. Yeah. It's an underhand lob. Then we discover it's a four aces tea. It's just a sort of, there you go, have some of that. How do you like them apples? The whole thing was just quite weird. And both players seemed like they wanted to play it down. And then playing it down, they ramped it up. Rory said, you know, it was just a storm in a teacup. Absolutely nothing to see here. However... Do you really think I'm going to be happy to shake someone's hand when his lawyer's serving me a, a yeah, subpoena I mean, on Christmas r- r- Eve? This this came into Rory's world. He didn't go out no. there doing that. That's, Rory's the innocent one here. He didn't do anything wrong. You know, I, I can't find anyone who would, who would say that Rory's in the wrong. This, no. is, this is a Patrick Reed situation. It's just completely bizarre. I just... It's just kind of weird. He's a grown man. And some of the... Like Colin... What's he called... Macro, an immature little child. He said, if you're going to act like an immature little child, then you're going to get treated like an immature Why? little child. I mean... Rory's saying, I don't know what planet adults. he's living on. Uh-huh. It's just... It's just weird. It's not necessarily nice, but... It's great for us. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, is it not necessarily maybe good for golf in a way too? A little bit of needle? I mean, other sports have that. Are we Golf, talk, I mean, are we, what, are you just supposed I, to accept that they all wear chinos and shake hands? It's created... The best thing about it is they... they the two of them, who were the two most high-profile players in the field, had a bit of set to, mouthed off against each other in the press, created a bit of a storm in a teacup, and then went effectively, nearly, toe-to-toe <laughs> down the last few holes. What what more do you want? It's perfect, That's, isn't it? It's just perfect. Script writing at its absolute best. We've had a few tweets already about the shenanigans and... There's a recurring theme in some of these messages we've been sent, Bryce. Sean McCluskey, are Liv players playing on the DP World Tour actually harming Liv and highlighting what Liv is missing? Likewise, feral golfer. Surely, if you're a DP World Tour exec, you're hoping that the lawsuit, by the way, not a lawsuit, swings in favour of the Liv players. Can you tell Jay, as in Monaghan, you tried and keep PGA Tour on side while at the same time your tour becomes the place where this sort of drama unfolds? Riffing on the same kind of theme that basically all this has exposed something that Liv can't offer. Rory's never going to play on Liv. So you're never going to have that level of needle. I'm not saying that all the players who are on Liv like each other, but that's certainly the public face of it is that, you know, we are 
we're one big happy family and we've been galvanised by the hate and the noise and the criticism. As we just said, Needle's good from time to time. Needle's good and competition's good. And, and, and I'm not bashing Liv. If Liv's a different form of golf, fine, let them go and have it. But it doesn't, it doesn't come anywhere near to what traditional competitive tour golf can offer. You know, the chance that they could play together was exciting during the week. <laughs> the chance that they might go toe-to-toe down the stretch on the Sunday and the Monday was exciting. You don't get that in Liv. They're all playing together. There is no competitive energy because nothing is amped up. There's no, there's no, what do you call it, the growth of the drama through the tour- tournament. It doesn't happen because it's, they're all playing at the same time. They all start and finish at the same time and leave. And it's 54 holes. It's just not the same. It's different. I get all that. And if that's what people want, fine. If that, go go yeah, for it. Absolutely. But that was exciting this morning. And I guarantee Patrick Reed will not get those feels playing live as he does in the, in the DP Spot world. on. He must have felt something different yeah. today. There's no question in my mind that trying to beat Rory was as much of an incentive to him as anything yeah. else. Yes, there's money. Yes, there's world ranking points that he desperately needs. Yeah. Yes, there's the the competitive thrill of winning, but he would have been fueled yeah. by beating Rory. The problem with Liv is that it's, no big, it's big, outspoken, sometimes controversial players. A lot of them happen to be on Liv. But guys who are good, honest professionals and go about their job, like Bernd Wiesberger, are also on Liv. Yeah. But he was playing this week, but there's no there's no aggression towards him. There's no calling out of his you know, decision-making because he's just a good guy that goes about his business. It's because they've gone and they've said nothing. You yeah. know, they've gone and they've got on with it. Yeah. Mark Leishman, for example, people forget that he's on live yeah. because he's said nothing. He's just ah. moved somewhere and is getting on with it. There's definitely some aggressors. I I don't know. Are they being encouraged to be that way? Potentially, Potentially. Yeah. But the DP World Tour was the single biggest beneficiary of that animosity over the last seven days. Another good question here on a slightly different theme. Mackin at Mackin83, have Ram and Rory peaked too early or is it perfect pre-Augusta form? Great question because Augusta's still a couple of months away. It's a long long while away, but I don't think anyone wants to peak too early. I think we saw Rory last year. We wanted Rory to win events. Uh, We keep saying we because we like Rory, but it'd be better to win than not win. So you can't peak too early in golf. I think Rory will manage his schedule very cleverly going into Augusta. It'll be very interesting to see where he decides to play and what decisions he makes. He's a little bit compromised now, isn't he, by the PGA Tour's elevated event schedule. Absolutely. He's already missed one. Absolutely. I'm not sure he can miss any more, so he's going to have to play yeah, in events he might have, not otherwise want to. Yeah, but I think that's the, that's the trade-off for standing up for what he believes in and supporting the tour that he said he should support. So Jay will have said, you know, if you want this not to not crumble, then you need to support it. And I think he'll be well aware of that. Yeah. Ross Eaglesham. Let's move on to Patrick Reed specifically and the tree gate, as James Corrigan of the Telegraph brilliantly described it. We had tea gate and then we had tree gate. Ross Eaglesham asks us, how does Patrick Reed continually get away with cheating? I've never seen anything like it since his college days. It's almost impressive how he's got away with it for so long. And you don't have to search too far on social media to find a lot more sentiments along a similar line. 
first things first, we should say Patrick Reed, to my knowledge anyway, as a professional golfer, has never been penalised yeah. for cheating. Yeah. So it's perception that it's cheating. Perception. It's alleged is, cheating. Alleged cheating is correct. Larry has, is listening. Is he? <laughs> All right, Larry. <laughs> Clearly, he, he is. So he must have my address wrong then if he's alleged <laughs> cheating. So. Correct. He has broken rules and he has been penalised when yeah, he's broken th th rules. Th this, uh, we've discussed this, and to be honest, there should be a line in the sand on this. But <laughs> it's extremely. Oh, choice of words. Oh, poor yeah. Choice of words. <laughs> he uh, could draw it for you if you yeah, want to the I back probably, of his club. Well, would. He probably would. Um, <laughs> it's very. It's almost impossible to prove cheating in golf. Of course it is. Cheating that, is, a, is a thing that comes from within. It's uh -huh. something that only you can know that I am deliberately breaking a rule uh -huh. for my own benefit. Yeah. It, it's, Short of reading his mind, how are you going to prove it? How are you going to know? Because they just say they don't know or they made a mistake. It's extremely difficult. It's not like Suarez in that tournament where he saves <laughs> when he's not the goalie. The World that, Cup in 2014? Yeah, that, that's, you can just see is there different? golf's not like that. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. So it's proving intent is very uh -huh. hard to and do. I'm not saying that and, and there's been times in the past like the last time Reid took a dodgy drop it was just a couple of years ago 18 months ago yeah, took a dodgy ago. drop McElroy did almost exactly the same Correct. thing but we didn't accuse McElroy of it so you you need to be careful how you just throw out accusations that he's cheating does it look a bit strange the one that happened yesterday with a tree <laughs> So let's look at that one, shall Slightly. we? Oh man, I yeah. can't believe I can't believe we'll have to do this. Drivable par four seventeenth. Patrick Reed tees off in the third round on Sunday and his ball sails into one of the trees. There's a group of about three trees about forty yards short and right of the green. There's two together and there's one in front. Yeah. yeah. His ball sails straight towards those. We'll rewind in a second, but he goes up. He's looking up in one of these trees and I'm like, oh, there's my ball. Calls in the rules official. Several rules officials, including the chief referee, come in. The ref's got his binoculars out. He's looking up. He's saying, right, Patrick, describe your ball for me. And he says, well, it's got this mark and that mark. And he goes, right, okay, that's fine. So he gets the drop. Penalty drop eventually makes bogey. Subsequently, very, very soon thereafter, video appears on, of all places, Twitter, that appears to show Reed's ball going into a tree that wasn't the one that he said his ball was in, where he identified his ball. Compounding matters was that he spoke to, second shout out in this episode, James Corrigan of The Telegraph, and said that he was 100% that that was his ball that he'd identified. He said if he hadn't been 100%, he'd have gone back to the tee, hit another one. The video, I'm going to be honest, the video is... It's a little bit hard to tell, but it does appear, does appear that his ball goes in the front tree, which is not the one that he said his ball was 100% in. That isn't a good look. Now, for clarity, just before I bring you in, the DP World Tour very, very quickly put out a statement that said, well, it sort of clarified what went on. They said, during round three of the Hero Dubai Desert Classic, Two on-course referees and several marshals identified that Patrick Reed's ball had become lodged in a specific tree following his tee shot on 17. The tour chief referee joined the player in the area and asked him to identify his distinctive markings. Using binoculars, the referee was satisfied that a ball with those markings was lodged in the tree. 
The player subsequently took an unplayable penalty drop, rule 19.2c, at the point directly below the ball on the ground. To clarify, the player was not asked to specify the tree, but to identify his distinctive ball markings to confirm it was his ball. What were the distinctive ball markings? So Patrick says that he's got a little bit of an arrow, a big black line and an arrow and a dot and all that sort of stuff. I've seen it. It doesn't look that unique to me. It's not like he's written P. Reed on the side of this Titleist Pro V1, probably the most commonly used ball on the tour. It's just, he may just have made a mistake. He was told yeah. by a marshal it's gone in it's that gone in tree. There. What, what, who's he meant to believe? Uh, how's he? You can't even see it in the... You can't really see it realistically in the in the TV. Mm -hmm. In the replay, it's not... Regardless of what Brandel says in the States, and his video is brilliant, it doesn't look as though it's 100% certain that the ball goes in that tree. Now, he very eloquently suggests that you don't see the ball come out of the tree... And it's unlikely that it bounces off this that tree. This is Brandel Chamblay. Brandel yeah. Chamblay, and it bounces into the two trees in front. But there's no categorical proof that that happened. So I give Reed the, I give him a pass on that. He he doesn't know that it's gone in the first tee. He just thinks it's in there. If it's a pro, he well, he's looking well, at. well, now he doesn't. He uh, he doesn't think he said one hundred percent. Yeah, and that's because he looked at, That's potentially his mistake. Yeah, as being that he, categorical. He, he sees he sees a line in a pro v one. I mean, if you're not seeing all of your ball and you look up and you see the line in a pro view, you think, well, that's my ball. I, I, I'm not support. I'm not defending the guy. But if this is another player, this is the thing. If this is another player, it's not a story. It's not that big a deal. I do, I do get it. But there's not 100% proof that it went in that first tree. It does look like it, but we don't know for 100% what I don't understand is why no one climbed that tree and got that ball. <laughs> then you would really know. Yeah. Why yeah. has nobody done that? It's a reasonable shout. I think, for me, one of the biggest problems around it is just the amount of certainty that people are speaking about it with. People are and saying, I, I, well, yeah. it definitely went in the first tree. Patrick's saying, it's definitely my ball. 100%, 100%. It's like... Even Brandel Chambly, who has been sued for millions by Patrick Reed, would not confirm 100% that went in that first he tree. He made a compelling he made case a very for it compelling without saying it was definitely in there. He didn't say it's 100% because even he doesn't know. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Other players didn't. Which, to be, to be fair to Patrick Reed, every single player on tour should be given the benefit of the doubt at all times. Absolutely. It's because of his history mm -hmm. that this happens. Now, a couple of players on social media that I saw didn't seem best pleased. Uh, Mathieu Pavon and Mike Lorenzo Vera, both French players. Pavon had missed the cut in Dubai. He was one of many that shared the original footage that went around. He's saying, wow, wrong tree, question mark, exclamation mark, maybe an optical illusion. Vera, very outspoken guy himself, must be pointed out, replied in French to say, the guy does not stop. Clearly, you're right. Reed's reputation precedes him. Is he... Is he just unlucky? Or does he rightly come under the amount of scrutiny that he does? Uh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> it is. Are you, he's, he, you're asking me if Patrick Reed rightly comes under the scrutiny. In well, it's what because way? One incident, Do I think he cheats? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put you under... Yeah, yeah, you would. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, look, 
anyone can be involved in one rules incident, maybe two. There have now been multiple instances with Patrick Reed. You've got the brushing away of the sand in the Bahamas. You've got the bad drop at the farmer's insurance, good or bad, whatever you want to call it. You've now got this. And I'm sure there are others that I cannot think of off the top of my head, but I can't name three rules incidents involving, say, Phil Mickelson or Sergio or Ian Poulter or other players. But when it comes to Patrick Reed, bang, 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 bang. No it does problem. appear to be the case. And there's the history of what his college yep, uh, doesn't help. teammates smoke. have said. There is um, smoke. Yeah. So are people... They're looking for it. They're looking the for fire? Even, Is that when fair? He, even when he hits his ball... We're both doing it. When he hits his ball into that bush on 17, even when he's getting his hand in there to look at it, we're like, whoa! <laughs> it's just... It's, it just... It's the natural reaction. And the more these things happen, it's likely to follow him for the rest of his career. So, Do you think he deserves a little bit more support from the tour then? I mean, they put out that statement. I think they did support him. They didn't... They didn't there's no... Suggestion, but does it require someone to go on screen, for example, and say, "Look, this is nothing"? Nah, because that, that, that's unfair. Because that doesn't happen with anyone else. He, he has to be treated like every other player, unless you can prove that he's done something deliberately to gain an advantage. It's nothing, and he's the same as every other player. And as I said before, in golf, that is extremely difficult to do. The other thing is that he still took a penalty drop from broadly the same place as he would have had to take it anyway, uh-huh. he still made bogey. Yeah. It's not like he got he off was your penalized. skull free. He yeah. got penalised. Yeah. Now, he might not have got penalised to within the two or three feet of where he should have been penalised. You know, maybe there's a little bit of that grey area. Show me a player that ever takes a drop from exactly the right spot, if you want to get that microscopic about yeah. it. I know, I agree. So, you're okay with it? I'm okay with it, yeah. Okay. Absolutely fine. Terrified of Larry, aren't you? You're sitting there, I can see you trembling. Listen, I don't have enough money in the bank to face Larry. I, can't even, I can't even afford the, the flight to America to go to court. <laughs> <laughs> can we do this by teams, please? <laughs> <laughs> Big winners then this week. I don't think we've ever spoken about the Dubai Desert Classic as much, so clearly them. Hero, what a year to put your Phenomenal. sponsorship Brilliant. on an event. Rory McIlroy, clearly, and the DP World Tour. Liv, were they winners? Well, it, their player's not disappearing. Their player's got a bit of that. So did Poulter. Poulter put in a good mm-hmm. shift this week. Richard Bland also. Yeah, so, yeah, well, they're getting somewhere to play, aren't they? <clears throat> on that note, right, part two coming up. As I said, we've got to discuss... The BBC, the Masters, and of course, Phil Mickelson. Do not go anywhere. Everyone expects distance from their driver. We're shifting the paradigm to deliver far more than that. We constructed the first ever 360 carbon chassis. It's 44% lighter than titanium, shifting weight to actively enhance both distance and forgiveness. Now you get 15% tighter downrange dispersion in our longest driver ever. This is the new paradigm in performance from Callaway. Welcome back. Part two of this week's Bunkered podcast in association with Callaway. Michael and Bryce here. It's absolutely boiling in this studio this morning, by the way. Absolutely roasting. 
Maybe you could do something about that whilst I uh, do a little plug here for Bunkered Live. Coming back, Bunkered Live, we've got two events coming up very soon. One next month, 24th to 26th of February at the NEC in Birmingham. And then in Edinburgh, the Royal Highland Centre, just next to the airport in Edinburgh, 24th to 26th of March. The Ultimate Golf Show, that's what we're billing it as. You'll find the biggest brands, the latest gear, you'll get free lessons, and there'll be all kinds of other things to see and do. We've also got some great YouTubers who have signed up to come along. Bryce James Robinson's going to be there. Seb Carmichael Brown, you know him better as Seb on golf. We've got Zach Gould, Dr. Golf. We'll talk more about him in a second. Loads of things to see and do at this show. All tickets come with £5 to spend at the official show store and a £20 voucher for Bunkered Golf Breaks. If you buy four tickets together, you'll also get 15% off. So go to BunkeredLive.com to book your place. You don't want to miss out. I think we'll be there as well, won't we? Yeah. Yeah. Going to show up? We'll show up. <laughs> do our thing. Vibe, is that what we'll vibe. We'll vibe. Excellent. Also, this week, later this week, I should say, the latest issue of Bunkered will be hitting the stands. Issue 199. Bryce, lots of cool things in this issue. Lots of things to know about this issue. You're the editor. You can tell people what's going on. Yes, we are debuting our latest member of our, um, well, I should call it our performance panel. Correct. Mr. Zach Gould. Former contemporary of Rory McIlroy and yeah. Anthony Kim. Yeah. Remember him? Anthony, was he a mm. former? Yeah, their he paths beat, crossed. I know, did he not beat Tony Fino in the Junior mm-hmm, Ryder Cup a yeah. long time ago? So he's now known as Dr. Golf. He's got a very successful online fitness business based around golf. And he's joined our performance panel for the year. And uh, he's gracing our front cover. So we're designed to get you kicking off your golf season. In better shape than ever. In better shape than ever, Michael. From a fitness standpoint, which we haven't done for a long time. So quite excited about that. And also there's lots of stuff in there. There's uh, quite a funny sort of in the words of with Gary Player, which is quite oh, yes. quite entertaining, I have to say. And also we've got the latest um, reviews and all you need to know about all the gear that has been released, which is, I worked out the other day, there's something like 350 new bits of stickage from various brands. 350. Have you counted up? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Has James um, reviewed it all? Yes. Getting there. <laughs> so, yeah, we get the best of that in the in this issue and then we'll even more in our 200th issue, Michael, which is a big deal, which is, uh, that is out in late March, I think. So Early yeah. March. Uh, maybe. Early March. Remember. Because we've moved to 10 issues That's right. from eight. I'll need to check that. <laughs> Also worth pointing out a slightly different look to the magazine now as well, Bryce, at, well, at your suggestion. Yes. Bloody late in the day suggestion, by the way. It was a bit of a late in the day suggestion, but we went with it. As you get 10 issues now, but we've gone for a slightly reduced in size American style magazine, which looks pretty cool. So it's more compact, a bit bit like uh, Men's Health? Yeah, easier to read, that type of thing, so. Excellent. So that is going to be on sale later this week from all good retailers, including for the first time ever, I believe, lots of them in England. We're expanding our reach. So if you want to get a copy of Bunkered, head to the latest news agents. Better yet, get a subscription. Go to bunkered.co.uk forward slash suboffer. Sign up for a year and we'll send you some balls. That's what we do. What are you showing me? 200th issues out. Second week in March. Second week in March. Excellent. That's also our master's preview edition which 
segues nicely into this little segment. It was announced last week, or claimed, reported last week by hat-trick hero now, James Corrigan of The Telegraph, the man with all the scoops. He reported that the BBC is going to be giving up its remaining golf coverage, or rather Masters coverage, I should say. It'll still be showing highlights of the Open, the AIG Women's Open and the Ryder Cup, we believe. But the Masters, it's not going to be showing even highlights of it this year if reports are to be believed. The current deal expired last year after the tournament and it appears that no new deal has been agreed. Still time for that to change, obviously, but it seems a little bit unlikely at this point in time. Reason being, BBC is having to make a bunch of cost-cutting measures or go through a lot of cost-cutting, I should say. And it's reckoned that the Masters highlights alone, they have to pay a million pounds per year to Augusta National Golf Club for it. And when you're showing those highlights at, what, half 11 at night, maybe early hours of the morning, I guess their point of view is, why bother? A blow for... I'm going to throw it out there. The vast majority of the golf watching population in the UK, Bryce. Yeah, I mean, just to just to put on record, it's not 100% certain that this not is 100%. happening. We don't, we don't know this. It's been just being reported that it might be in the pipeline that they decide not to take it. I have to say, a million pounds to show the Masters is pennies. I actually am amazed at how low that number is considering the highlights and, and it would be on the BBC they would probably have a Wednesday night I used to really enjoy the BBC's Wednesday yeah, night the preview preview really yeah. really good stuff uh, you always got a bit of a buzz from seeing you know Peter Alice and then it was Andrew Cotter and so on and, and Sam Torrance and whatever by the first fairway chatting away getting some former players talking it always gave you a bit of a a good feel feel for the field mm-hmm. so I would suspect they would be broadcasting five nights from Augusta but if the deal has passed you know we do know that the accreditation passed there's obviously something going which is not looking too favourable for the BBC but these things can change very very quickly I would be amazed if the BBC didn't take that up and I think it would be a disgrace if they didn't take that up as well. Because In what way? I've said before for a long time, the BBC really has such a low respect for the game of golf. They don't they don't showcase golf in a very positive light. I mean, I take no interest in, what's that thing at the end of the Sports year? Personality Sports personality. Sports personality. I really have no interest in that. And the reason I have no interest in it is because the sport that I love is not really covered in it, so why bother watching it? And I'm... I'm led to believe you said that there was what what did golf get about 30 seconds mm. this year that i mean that's just uh, matt that, fitzpatrick's us open win yeah, got I mean, 30 odd an seconds. englishman an englishman won a major tournament this year uh, last year in golf and the bbc effectively ignored it he didn't even make the six person shortlist for the main award i mean that yeah that's, I, I that, mean, that staggers me i mean i'm not even i'm not even going for the shortlist i'm just talking that deserves the of attention some yeah. attention and they just they they really have no interest in it. And it's this this is nothing new. This has been going on for 10, 15 years. The editors at the top of BBC Sport don't really have much love for golf. And that has backfired in golf. And that is why everyone says, you know, about Sky Sports and it's you know it's a it's a commercial TV program and it's taken it behind a paywall and now you can't get to see it. Yeah, that that's all true. But tell you what, Sky do a fantastic job of presenting 
the world's oldest golf championship to its audience. Mm-hmm. The BBC don't. And there's a reason why it's with, with the, the RNA went with Sky is because they have to showcase a professional product given the proper standing and that's what they've done and it aligns with all the other major championships also led to believe that the bbc didn't even bid for open live rights when sky went in for it so you know you can't give someone something they clearly don't want this is the thing about this is the thing about the bbc that they, they have conscious decisions that they make behind the scenes and they don't explain it Mm-hmm. They, I, I'm led to believe that they have something between like 300 and 500 staff involved in Glastonbury. But the BBC, which is a publicly funded broadcaster, will not reveal how much it spends on Glastonbury. Could you not get that through an FOI? They won't reveal it. They won't reveal how many staff go and they won't reveal how much it costs. They keep it very secretive because they, they know if people find out, they'll lose their rag. But everyone loves Glastonbury. I love watching Glastonbury. I don't even like the bands and I still watch it. Mm-hmm. But they put all that investment for one weekend a year and there's a golf tournament, which is, you know, all the health benefits and all that, so on and so forth, and they just ignore it. Someone actually makes that decision behind the scenes. I wonder if a little bit of this is government-based, and I'll explain why in a second. Just for context, back in 2005, the BBC broadcast 28 days' worth of live golf from the Open, the Masters. When was that, sorry? 2005. Right. And multiple European tour events. They used to show the Scottish Open. Remember, BMW, Wentworth was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, 2011, Sky Sports won the right to broadcast live coverage of all four days of the Masters. The BBC retained rights to show live footage of the final two rounds. That changed in 2020 when that was cut to a highlights programme when Sky was given the exclusive live broadcasting rights in the UK. Now, to go back to what I was saying about this potentially being a, a government thing or maybe the government could intervene here. There is a thing called the UK Listed Events Regime, which is enforced by the Broadcasting Act of 1996, bear with me, and it's designed to ensure that high-profile sporting events that are viewed of being in the national importance, like in the national interest, that they remain available on free-to-air channels or services in some capacity. You might have heard the term, they're called the Crown Jewels. Now, they're split into two different groups. Group A is to be retained for live free-to-air broadcasting. Group B may be broadcast on pay-per-view TV, but only so long as there are some highlights available on terrestrial console telly, if you want to call it that. So, for example, Group A, you've got things like the World Cup final, the European Championships. I actually think the Rugby League Challenge Cup final is in there as well. No golf in Group A. Group B, the only golf that's in there is the Open and the Ryder Cup. Until such times as that changes, you will continue to be able to see the Open and the Ryder Cup, at least highlights of it, on terrestrial telly by government order. Worrying thing for me is that I gather the government are doing a review of that list. Started it in November. Events can be promoted, they can be completely dropped. And when you add that lack of golf on the Crown Jewels to a perceived lack of appetite from the BBC to broadcast it, are we going to reach the point very soon, potentially, maybe even the next 10 years, where there is no golf tournaments on free-to-air TV? Because that would be catastrophic for the game. Potentially. There's not a lot on now and golf's in the best place it's been for years. You know, more people joining golf clubs, more people, the amount of people played golf last year is up. I get the whole COVID thing, but 
we've we've sort of got back to a bit of normality and the numbers are still impressive. You know, golf brands are selling more gear than they've ever done. So I'm not I'm not too worried about it. But I do think in a long term view, which you said from the long term perspective, it's not it doesn't create a great foundation, which I think is important. The problem with you, 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 when you talk about the BBC, what you're talking about is volumes, eyeballs. That that's what you that's what we're really talking about. So you're you're either discussing do you want quality or do you want volume? And that's can you have both? <sighs> that's a very tricky question because how do you determine what's a good volume? Because if you look at the Ryder Cup before the Ryder Cup went to pay per view, I'm led to believe the Ryder Cup on the BBC was getting something like 14 million people watching that. 14, 14 million. million. 14 million people watching the Ryder Cup before it went to... Well, it's not getting that in Sky, we know that. So, and then immediately the next Ryder Cup, they had something like under 100, they under, under like 700,000 or something oh my like that. Word. So, the viewing ship, the viewership has massively dropped off a cliff. But then, when something's on the TV and it's on the BBC, it's free, it's on. Are they actively engaged in watching Or that? is the telly just on in or the background? Or is the telly just on because <laughs> it's there? Yeah. You know, it's that ugly mix which you'll never really get around. But all the people that watch, like all the people that were tuned into the Sky Golf this morning watching that, they have act, they've paid to watch that and they're engaged and they love it. And Sky do a great job. You can't, you can't really, I know people have a go at Sky commentators and so on, but it just creates funny debate. They're good at what they do. And I hate to say it for the BBC, they're better than the BBC at what they do. And I wonder if that's why the golf bodies don't stand in. They don't, they're not jumping, the DP world are not banging on the BBC's door begging for them to do it. I don't think they are. I think they're quite happy with the way golf's going at the moment. But... Is that a really narrow-minded view? Yes. Because, as you say, it's at the moment. Yes, it is, because the future does require to get more people. I don't want to see golf reach a smaller audience. Mm -hmm. Golf needs to be out there. I said this before, banging in my head. <laughs> golf should be in schools. It's a disgrace that golf's not played in schools, and that needs to be resolved. Oh, we're coming to that, don't you but worry? Do, That's coming I, up. <laughs> but I do think... I, I, I do think that it, this is down to key decision makers at the BBC making that decision without yeah. consulting with somebody about the consequences of it. We do know that there's bigwigs in there. This is a bigwig that's sitting there going, you know what, golf, why, why should we bother with that? You know, we do know that people watch the BBC's highlights coverage because a lot of people don't have Sky. A lot of people don't want to pay the £50, £60 pounds a month it is to get the access to it. So... They, they, they want the BBC to cover it. Mm -hmm. I think I worked this out the other day that something like 7% roughly of the UK population plays golf to some degree or level or frequency. That's an awful lot of people really. I mean, that's almost one in 10. Mm -hmm. As you walk down the high street, if you were to take one in 10 people, it's quite a big audience and they're not going to get served the content that they're crying yeah. out for. Is that just because it's easier, i.e. cheaper to make Constant streams of reality. Yeah, TV. the prop. The problem is, in sport in general, is at a real crossroads when it comes to broadcasting because there's. If you're a football fan, it's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Look at all the. Like, oh, it's in so the last, in know. the last three yeah. or four weeks, how many channels have showcased football? We've had BBC. I think we've had ITV. Mm -hmm. We've had is it Via Play? Yes, the we've new Premier Sports, Sky Sports, and BT Sport. It's. It's just it's all bit, over the joint. Where do you start? Mm -hmm. You know, and I get it. That's that's the world that we live in. Pay per view. It's 
one minute you're paying for it, and that minute, and then you've got your your um, fan TV and so on. It's it's really fractured, and and it it has to be solved. By the way, if you're to pay for all those subscription broadcasters you just referenced, you're talking about £750 per year to have it all. To potentially more than that, because I've, God knows, it's scary. I'm going for the, the basic scheme here, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's season, a lot of money. It's more than season ticket money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. So I think a lot of it, the football is the biggest one because the football one is that they're banging that football fans can stand at the gate. Mm-hmm. You know, as we saw with the, the Super League, the Super yeah. League, they stand at the gate and they shout and they can get things done. Golf's not like that. No. Golf fans are not going to stand at the gate. They're not. They're not. Listen, Bryce, you've been criticised even as recently as this weekend on our Facebook page, which gave me a bit of a chuckle, for being very pro-Sky and anti-BBC. And when we put up this post, I think it was actually a comment from Rory McIlroy talking about these rumours about the BBC and the Masters. Someone replied saying, you know, bunkered, and they referenced you specifically, I've been wanting golf shot from the BBC forever. And now they seemingly don't. Which is it? So here you go. Here's your opportunity to answer that. To, uh, if, if someone's not paying golf the respect, good. Get rid of them. I, I don't back down from that. So you'd be happy to just, see it go from yeah, the BBC I, I, categorically I if the coverage is bad? <laughs> yeah, because I don't think the Masters will really appreciate what they see. And I, I don't think it's very good what they do. It, it's a highlights package. They, the BBC have no interest in covering golf. So I don't want them to go half in. I'm not. I'm not against Isn't that them. Better than not being on telly not, I, at all. Well, for, let me for, rephrase that. I'm not entirely against them having a highlights package, but I don't. I don't begrudge the RNA for turning their back on the BBC or not even begging them to come to the meeting table when what they present isn't good enough. You know, this is the BBC that put forward the reporters that were cricket players, and and yeah, so on and so no, forth, so and footballers. I'm sorry, show golf a bit more respect than that. You're not going to get some cricketer coming on and telling me how golf works. I, I just think that they have shown such disdain for golf that I don't think they honestly deserve to get much of a say at the table when it comes to broadcast rights for golf. Mm-hmm. And I think that's ridiculous. And I'll stand my ground on that. Would I like them to show highlights for the Masters? Yes, I think that's correct. But we're not really talking about broadcast here. We're talking about highlights packages. Mm-hmm. Not their cameras. They're just sitting in a studio they're talking about it. They're taking a feed and they're buying the rights to show up. It's like they're buying the rights to show the YouTube channel on their own website. Oh, well, you would argue it's the bare minimum that they're. It's doing. the bare minimum that they're doing. So you can't. Why would you support a broadcaster that's, by the way, rolling in money? Are why, they? I mean, they're making lots of cost cutting. So can we say that they're absolutely well, filthy way, rich? Put it this way, they're paying Gary Lineker more than they are to buy the Masters rights. Fair enough, yeah, that's so, one way of putting it. Yeah. So I'm not buying that. The BBC aren't short of cash. You know, we, we, we the BBC don't cover golf and then we turn up at the Scottish Open, they've got four or five guys there and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, I should add, yeah. this is about TV, isn't it? I mean, they've got yeah. an awful lot of good people who work for them. I'm thinking of, of they Ian do. Carter straight away, who is their golf correspondent, does a phenomenal job covering the sport. There are people within the corporation that like golf, love golf, whatever, and maybe they're just being shortchanged by decisions being made way above their pay grade. I don't know. I mean, I I hear you and I do agree their coverage isn't as good. It hasn't been as good. Certainly when they had the live rights, it wasn't as good. I just can't help but feel that it's better to have it on in some form than not at all. And because I, I, the I overwhelming majority of the population don't pay for Sky. Uh-huh. I'm not saying it's the, the overwhelming majority can't afford. They choose not to have it. 
So they choose not to have it because there's an outlet elsewhere that does come down to a lot of football that mm-hmm. comes elsewhere yep. that they can get for free. Although that does appear to be coming to an end, the whole he's goal and yeah, that that's mm. that's finishing. You know, they're going to prosecute a thousand other a thousand people in the next few weeks are going to get knocks on the door and they're going to be prosecuted. <laughs> It'll be Laddie Clayman standing there holding a subpoena <laughs> or one of his minions. I was going to ask you for your favourite memory of, of golf in the BBC, but I don't think I'll bother now. <laughs> Jesus. Let's move on to Phil, shall we? Phil Mickelson. He may have been at 2004 Masters. That was quite a, quite a spectacle. Phil has resurfaced on Twitter. I'm led to believe. I don't know because he, he blocked me when I pointed out that he's got a poor track record with the rules, etc. But he's back on Twitter he had a little bit of a pop at Rory in the Golf Channel, one of his sarcastic tweets saying um, along the lines of great third round by Rory McIlroy in Dubai in capital letters. Fantastic stuff. See if he can close the deal on the Golf Channel tomorrow. Words to that effect. Clearly pointing out that golf in the Middle East isn't something that the Golf Channel and Rory are going to turn their back on completely. Human rights, etc. blah, blah, blah. He then had a really weird pop at the PGA Tour. And listen, normally I try and I try and ignore this stuff, but I couldn't help but bite. Phil said, he was talking about the PGA Tour, blah, blah, blah. He said, I've already won 45 of those PGA thingies. They were pretty easy. Captain's Choice Tournaments in brackets live events are much tougher with such stronger fields. I haven't even won one yet. PGA thingies, they were pretty easy. I had a look. Phil has actually got a win rate of around about 6% on the PGA Tour. Wins versus starts, so clearly not that easy. But I pointed out, and I stand by it, it is getting harder and harder to remember the joy of watching Phil win the Masters in 04, the USPGA in 2021 when he broke records. Personally, I think every time he tweets... Lately, he's just decaying his own reputation and legacy. Where do you stand, Bryce? We've not discussed this yet, clearly, so what's your thoughts? Phil Mickelson is a shadow of the great that he once was. He's coming out on Twitter already, throwing jibes at people, and it was in June last year where Phil Mickelson said that he was effectively reckless. And in a statement, he he was sorry that he offended people. And he was sorry for his choice of words. His exact quote was, I'm beyond disappointed and will make every effort to self-reflect and learn from this. So what's he learned? Within a matter of eight months, he's coming out making stupid comments again. I will say this again. He's a grown man. Why does he have time for this crap? Seriously. It's just, he's not like us. He lives in a different world. And he has no care for the consequences of what he says. And uh, I find it embarrassing. And he is just kicking his reputation down the road. It's brutal. It's a sad, sad watch. Phil Mickelson is like one of the great players in history. And he's just, he's effectively doing a Ronaldo. He's just finishing (laughs) on a down. It's just brutal. Are you expecting Phil Mickelson to go and win two or three live events? No. He's got no form. He's not playing that well. He's had to take time out because he's basically shafted himself, said really stupid things. Even the guys who were paying his wages, he slaughtered. I just Is think that who the apology was really for? Yeah, yeah. But he's got to, if you're talking about self-reflect and learning, why is he now, now throwing 
jibes at Rory McIlroy and the tour. I, I just... <sighs> can we not just get back to being adults and playing golf rather than this crap? I mean, look what we've had in the first three weeks already. Bryson's not even opened his mouth yet. <laughs> Poulter's upset that him and Sergio aren't getting birthday shout-outs. I mean... Patrick Reed's calling Rory McIlroy an immature little child. Rory's not completely blameless in that, as we discussed earlier. Well, obviously, you think he was brought into it, but he doesn't have to rise the to thing it. Is, the then thing you've is, got Phil doing it's this. this. It's this shite in the background that's just depressing. You look at Poulter. Poulter put on a really good performance yeah, this awesome. week. See what you're not talking about right now is that, see, because of that performance, see if all the crap in the background haven't happened, we'd be talking about Poulter playing his way onto the Ryder Cup team. That's what we'd be talking about. Yeah. That's a Rolex series event. He's played really well, apart from a dodge at the 72nd hole. Forgive us, he's not used to playing them. Wow. But that's a proper week's golf for Poulter. That guy is not falling apart. He's clearly looked after himself, played yeah. some good golf, and you know what he's got when it comes to the Ryder Cup. We're not talking about it at all. Totally ignored. Because just of everything Because of else. all the crap going on in the background. And worth, I think worth that's noting sad. he finished in a tie for six. Look at the score, 65, 71, 69, 70. He, in the end, was only six shots behind Rory. Only five players finished in front of him. And he has jumped 122 spots in the race to Dubai to 20th. Uh-huh. In a couple of weeks' time, he could be scrubbed from that list uh-huh. because of all of, as you said, the shite. To return to Phil, I've said this before. And I've been pounded on for it, maybe rightly, I don't know. But I once pointed out that, see if you took Tiger Woods out of the equation, let's say Tiger never existed. I genuinely believe that we would be talking about Phil as one of the greatest players of all time. I know, but you I think can't. You, you can't. I know it's a hypothetical though, so bear with me. And Ernie Els, by the way. And Ernie. But Phil would have won more events. He probably, probably would have won more majors. He most certainly would have been world number one for a very long time. No one has ever been second longer without reaching, I don't actually think at all, and he didn't reach world number one. He would have been in a totally different conversation, but he's always been a bit of a bridesmaid. And I think we're seeing now just how much that's pissed him off because he doesn't like, clearly, his status, his reputation, his position within the PGA Tour. See, I'm and not, he's just mouthing I don't, off. I don't, I don't buy that. Look at what Phil did when he won the PGA Literally every golfer in the world was in awe of what he achieved. In awe of the guy. I mean, the guy was the, the height of his powers at that point, standing there looking like Superman, just pulling off shots. <laughs> that was absolutely outrageous. And we were all stunned by it and we all loved it. Look where he is now. We don't talk about it now. And it's just... I'm not buying the, the yeah, I mean, if Tiger, if Tiger hadn't been there, but if your auntie had, you know, yeah, the exactly. usual stuff. Yeah. But hypotheticals are fun. So, I know, yeah. I know. But then Ernie Ells would have a few more as well. Would you prefer that? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think people, I'm not saying that Phil is underrated by any stretch of the imagination, but I wonder if he feels like he's underappreciated. He certainly feels like he's underappreciated by the PGA too That's in good. terms of financial compensation I for it. I think what the what some of the things that you've said in the background about the finance, the money that they've got in the bank, and whether they use that money to reward their players. And he's he's with you've got to be honest, he's been proven correct 
in that sense that they do have yep. money because they've brought it to the fore. Jay Monaghan's been caught out by saying, you know, we were always going to do it. Well, if they were, Phil didn't know about it. So I find that very strange. That's, and that that's hard to believe. And I think even any anti-Live supporter would say, yeah, Monaghan's at it there. And I think what a lot of the stuff that Phil said about their financial breakdown and so on is correct. And I think he's just quite enjoyed being he's the mouthpiece for that. He's just probably the wrong person to be yes. the mouthpiece for that. Uh -huh. You know, he's won $96 million on the PGA Tour in his career. He's, I'm not saying he's not entitled to have an opinion. He's just a bit like Poole a couple of weeks ago. Probably he, not the person to be making that point. He's got Fig Jam for a reason. And this is, this is the result of that personality and that self-opinion when you come out all guns blazing. It can backfire on you, and it has backfired on Phil. Fascinating to see what happens next. Phil making his first appearance of 2023 this week in the Saudi International, and then he'll be playing, I think, a full live schedule, 14 events, starting in Mexico late in February. Right, Bryce, one more thing before we move on to positive merit. It kind of escapes your attention that golf is now available on prescription in Fife. Two questions. One, when are you buying a property in Fife to take full benefit and register with a doctor over there? And secondly, what the f***? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the day I can afford a property in St Andrews or Fife mm -hmm. is the day that I don't have to sit and talk to a pleb like you every Monday morning. <laughs> I can't afford a property in St Andrews. Um it's extraordinary, yeah. isn't it? I mean, this is part of a, a very clever, to be fair, I'm, I'm joking a bit, but a very clever pioneering scheme by various parties, the University of St Andrews involved, the NHS health boards in that part of the country, the RNA are involved. And the idea is that doctors can now prescribe that you go and play golf, get 18 holes. I think there's four courses signed up to the scheme so far in order to improve your physical well-being, your mental well-being. Certainly beats having to take, say... What's that stuff? Penicillin twice a day for a week. Give me golf. Golf's the answer. I'm telling you. My old man got heart problems. Still playing golf at Hilton Park. One of his pals, uh, without putting it too fine a point on, is dying of cancer. They play oh, golf. Dear. All the old boys have heart problems. They're all playing golf. There was, I, I shouldn't laugh at this, but a few years ago, was it a funeral? <laughs> uh, with with my dad. I know, with my dad. And the guy who's... His wife had died, and all his golf pals were standing outside the funeral home organising their golf for the next day. Jesus. With the guy whose wife had died. Because it is that type of sport. It's just mad. I'm standing there going, Are you guys organising tea times at this <laughs> juncture? Y yes. And it's that type of game because he can play golf until you literally drop dead. Why not? I think it's a great move. It is also claimed, or there is research to suggest that golfers live longer on average than yep. non-golfers so i believe it it does beg one other question if you can get golf from a doctor why can't you get it in schools i'm giving well, you exactly well one did, minute to, be to fair, take the case to be fair, i don't need the soapbox because i've had that soapbox before but i do believe that scottish golf england golf and wales golf are they not working on something i have to say i don't have the full lowdown on it yet but i believe there's something in the pipeline which is great, but it's not, I do, I, I get it, it's not as straightforward as just walking into the curriculum and saying, right, golf's on the curriculum, but... <sighs> Need to try. Why not? We are the home of golf. 
can we not just make it happen? You know, as an example, my daughter who's in primary one was getting tennis at PE two weeks ago. Yeah. Tennis. Yeah. Now that's great. That's the legacy, <laughs> funny word, of Andy and Jamie and Murray, Judy Murray as well. It's great that she's getting it. I'm delighted. But if I was to suggest to any of her teachers, what about uh, some golf skills? I think they would look at me like I had two heads. I know. Which needs, is a shame. I know. Needs to change. I'll sort it. Give me a few weeks. You're going to get on the phone to Nicola after this? <laughs> <laughs> you can tell her how you feel about Phil Mickelson while she's at it. Podder of merits. Balls. Two weeks ago, Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship. Bryce, you picked Nikolai Hoygaard, who finished in a tie for 10th. I went for Tommy Fleetwood, who finished in a tie for 38th. Many, many, many thanks, Tommy. Appreciate that. So, Bryce, point for you. Bryce won Michael Nil in Season 5 of the Podder. Yes. Also means I now can't pick Tommy Fleetwood again this season, per the new rules that have been brought in. Fleetwood's out for me, but you can, by dint of his win, no, he can't. Nikolai didn't win it. He just won no, the point. He didn't win it. No. Also, you can't pick him no, again. I can't, pick, so, I can't okay. pick him again. But you got the most important thing, and that is the point. So, well done. Off to a good start. Thank you. This week, um, well, there's a couple of events. You've got the Raz Alkaima Championship on the DP World Tour. Not going there. We're going to go with the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am on the PGA Tour. <laughs> like that. Like, let's face it, that's crap. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the Pebble Sorry, Beach Keith. field isn't amazing no, either and I think we're starting to see a little bit of the elevated events things starting to come Although, rule, you know it's it's coming home to roost shall we say for yeah, the PGA yeah, Tour yeah, yeah. well yeah. we do see that uh, Scotland's Paul O'Hara is uh, incredible is playing yeah you told me that earlier Brilliant. I can't believe that good so, for him he'll be getting to play Pebble Beach Monterey and Spyglass, I think it is. Tom Hoagie, the defending champion there. And of course, as we know, this is basically the American version of the Alfred Dunhill links. So various celebs showing up, including the cold. <laughs> including Gareth Bale. Do you think he'll win it? <laughs> We've also got American footballers like Larry Fitzgerald, Who? Aaron Rodgers. Tell me which team Aaron Rodgers plays for, Bryce. The Pittsburgh Steelers. The Green Bay Packers. Oh, there okay. Yeah, and you've got various country singers as well, which I know you'll be delighted about. Yep. Anyway, who cares about all that nonsense? It is your honour. Who are you picking for the Podder of Merit this week at Pebble Beach? You see, I think now Podder's becoming a bit more, you're going to have to show a bit more research and development. R&D. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can't just pick big names. There's a bit of thought process behind it. (laughs) I'll try not take that as a dig. So... I'm going to go with Seamus Power. Explain your R&D behind Seamus Power. Well, he's in reasonably good form. Uh, won late last year on the PGA Tour, and then had a third, a fifth, and uh, he was, yeah, he was sentry, he was okay. But I'm going to give him a go. I think that guy's got uh, something about him. And I'm going to pick him for a fight. Remember, I don't need him to win, Michael. I just need him to beat whatever mug you pick. Okay, so you are calling Justin Rose a mug. Sorry, You're picking JR. Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm applying a little bit the same logic as you because, look, Rose hasn't had a great couple of years, but I like what I see on his social media lately, working hard in the gym, working hard in the range. And I think, I can't help but feel that he might have a 
bit of a say in the Ryder Cup this year, whether it's qualifying automatically or putting himself in the mix for a, a pick. And with his experience, the lack of experience on the team and the experience that looks like it's not going to be available to Luke Donald if this litigation or whatever you want to call it goes a particular way, I think that JR is going to come into the reckoning. So it starts this week. Okay. Justin Rose versus, I've forgotten who you said, Seamus Power? Seamus Power. Excellent. At the AT&T. Right, honesty box to finish up. I've got a question here. I'm not going to use it because, frankly, I wrote it earlier and I, I think it's shit. So I'm going to ask you a different question, Bryce. This is one I posed on Facebook last week, a few days ago. You can go for a pint with any tour pro, past or present. Who are you picking and why? I apologise because I'm not giving you any time to think about this, but saw that. Damn. Who else are you thinking? I'll tell you some of the responses we got on Facebook. Ronald McKellar, Savian Torrance, Chrissy Boy Collins. You know how boy spelt. With an H. Darren Clark, although not sure I'd like to go round for round with him. I've actually had drinks yeah, with Yeah, you Darren had Clark. a Guinness with Darren Clark, didn't you? I had several Guinness with Darren Clark mm. and uh, every bit as good as you'd expect. Superb. Get my pint and the stories flow. Absolutely immense. Paul Davidson, John Daly, but it would be several pints. Donald Sinclair, Brian Barnes. What yeah. a shout that is. Frank Hanna wants Shane Lowry. Says he might have to book a few days off after that. John Winkler, Mr. Palmer, without a doubt. Gerard? <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like a Gerard there. <laughs> Well, <laughs> uh, Arnold Palmer, there's a question. Would you want to go for a pint with Arnold Palmer? Uh, no. I can't imagine him naking the tenants. Well, you wouldn't get it if you were in Florida. No. Yeah, I don't know. Greg McMahon, Patrick Reed, because you know if it all kicks off and you get in some trouble, he's there with a tea to protect you. Yeah. I had, a, I had an evening with uh, Jimenez. Oh, go on, do tell. I was extremely drunk and I had to interview him. I realised during the interview I was just a waste of time. You were interviewing Vigil yeah. Angle Jimenez drunk? Yeah, there was a 10, I think I've said this before, it was a 10 course meal and he had two different red wines at his table, two huge goblets, you can normally call goblets of red wine. These <laughs> things were like taking a half a bottle of red each and he was tanning them and I, so was I, I was absolutely out of my face. But no, uh, Seve, I'd like to sit with Seve and have a couple of pints, that would be good. What a legend. Probably finish it by giving him a big hug and not letting go. <laughs> um, that typical end of night drunken bromance. I love you. Um, we should do this every Friday. Oh, no. To be honest, I've, I'll keep going back to this guy, but I'm obsessed with Bobby Jones. I think what Bobby Jones achieved. Is this a recent thing for you? No, no. I just, I've always liked the whole... Grand Slam, the whole concept, like, I'm going to do this, and then he did it, and then he, and he said, when I do that, I'm going to quit, and he did. I think that's amazing. Plus, I've, there's always elements of his life and his personality you don't really know, mm -hmm. don't know what he's like. I think that, and I also think Ben Hogan would be pretty pretty impressive. Now, he was a bit of a stoic character, was yeah, he not? not Can you imagine him loosening up? Yeah, so I think that would be good. But to be honest, in terms of stories and good chat, I've had a drink with Sam Torrance, and I, to be honest, I don't think you can much get much better than that. Now, Sam likes a particular drink, or did a few years ago. 
You'd think he was a, a man for the pints. No. Sam likes Jägermeister. Yeah, yeah. Neat. Yeah. I've tried Jäger bombs. I nearly spewed my guts yeah, the first time I had one. But Jäger on his own, geez. Un- no, I think uh, between Hogan and Jones, I would suggest Tiger, but he's not going to say anything. Do you not think so? Nah, I don't think so. What do you think Tiger's lighting the night out? I bet he's a half pint of shandy kind of guy. Yeah. Just letting his baggy jeans. <laughs> his mum jeans. His mum jeans. Yeah, stonewash. I think Ernie Els would be a great laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard that Ernie Els yes, is a great laugh. Yes, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll tell the stories that I've been told, but I don't yeah. think I can. Not yeah. just now, as I say, lawsuits abound. I would also, you know how much of a fan I was of this guy, and still am, Payne Stewart. I think that would be brilliant on a night out when, you know, mid to late 90s, obviously, it was. It felt like he was just ripe to go and, I don't know, become one of the game's best players. I mean, he was, but to become, like, recognised as one of the game's best players, I don't think he, don't think that's his legacy. People see him as a guy that won a couple of majors, it was actually three, and wore fancy clothes and he just looked like a character, but that guy was world number three for a yeah. long time. You know, he was a serious, serious golfer. He was also a bit of a serious guy behind the bit of the, you know, the the personality. So I'd love to, I've had the chance to sit with him and have a few drinks and just get to know him. I also wouldn't mind sharing a bottle of Shiraz with Adam Scott, but... (laughs) (laughs) On that note... That's a different story altogether. (laughs) Anyway, a bottle of Shiraz. Or Merlot. He doesn't drink that. What does he drink? Champagne. Out of my belly button. Oh, for Christ's <laughs> sake. Right, that's it. Thanks for tuning anyway. in. We'll see you next week. Oh, on that note, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Thank you. To, sorry to Callaway. We'll be back this time next week. Until then, look, get in touch. Send us some DMs. Let us know your thoughts on any of the topics that we've discussed. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you again next time. Bye-bye for now.